Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallen and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. Back to school season promises to be a bumpy one for businesses and citizens in Europe. We're experiencing a record level of inflation and the cost of everyday essentials like energy and food is rising much faster than average incomes. The war in Ukraine has now entered its seventh month and its economic consequences for Europe will start to really make an impact when thermometers descend and Russia will very likely cut gas supplies, shaking an already disturbed energy market, leaving citizens and businesses with energy bills unbelievably high. If that's not enough, think about the elections in Italy, taking place in September, where the extreme right seems to be very well positioned to lead the country in the aftermath. To get some answers on how policymakers will respond to these challenges, I am joined by Raymond Torres, Funkas Europe Director. Hello, Raymond. Hello, Carlos. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm a bit concerned, to be honest, about the amount of, of challenges and how badly they look on paper. Great that at least we can uh, try to get some answers on on, on, on these issues because they are, honestly, we tend to, uh, journalists, we tend to exaggerate sometimes but i think this time i think we are really looking into something quite concerning Indeed. Um, so i was thinking i was i was planning to start this conversation raymond with i mentioned a few issues and they are on the agenda and we see them on the newspapers every day but i was wondering if you had to choose one of them which which one of those do you think is the most concerning for european policymakers I think the energy challenge is, is probably the, the most significant, at least in the short term. Uh, but I think overall, it's the combination of the various issues that you mentioned, which makes this uh, particular uh, situation, this uh, return from holiday, particularly uh, challenging. I, it, almost, it is almost a perfect storm with uh, uh, the uh, simultaneity of the very significant, a very significant energy shock, which is sending electricity bills to uh, uh, the historical highs. Uh, the combination of these together with uh, geopolitical tensions with the war uh, very close to Europe, in a, in a way you could say, in the middle of Europe. Uh, and uh, along with that, if it was not enough, also the still the, the, uh, some disruptions which uh, come from the pandemic itself, which is not entirely finished, and uh, the, uh, the fact that you still have uh, some restrictions of activity in countries like China and so on, still disrupting supply chains. So you have the combination of an energy shock, um, a war, and uh, a disruption in supply chains, which is creating a very significant, uh, a very challenging environment for European countries. And I don't think we have seen that in decades, in fact, in Europe. 
that's quite a quite a cocktail, quite a, quite a mixture of concerning elements here. Um, so when we look at you know the the the, the winter thermometers are going to go down, and and there are plans in Europe to to, to face the consequences. Uh, so Russia is very likely going to to cut entirely the gas that is coming to Europe, or at least they're going to reduce further the supplies. I mean. What what is your assessment of the of the plans that the EU has put together so far to face this uh, this 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 situation? Yes, I think Europe has certainly reacted, but um, it seems to me that this is not going to be enough uh, to avert a major uh, economic recession, in fact, which could happen if, as uh, is predictable. Russia con continues to cut its supply of gas uh, and possibly add to that uh, uh, an oil shock as well. And so, this, why is it not enough? Because the, what Europe has done is to launch some energy saving plan, which uh, is equivalent to some 15 to 20% reduction in demand, uh, the, the plan. Uh, together with that, the, there, there is also a plan to increase investment in renewables and also well uh, uh, it also predicts and, and encourages countries to do some fiscal compensation for vulnerable enterprises and vulnerable groups so this this is of course going in the right direction but is not enough given the size of the shock the size of the reduction in the energy supply which is coming from russia and does not seem to be compensated by other suppliers uh, like the gulf countries and, and even the united states uh, it seems that the, uh, let's say, the substitution coming from other parts of the world is not going to be enough. And so uh, it's not enough and probably some of the measures will need to be, uh, let's say, uh, beefed up. For example, energy saving, probably more will have to be done. And in addition to that, uh, another layer will have to be added, which is a reform of energy markets. Uh, because, I mean, as you know, these energy markets, in particular electricity markets, function on the basis of uh, uh, the, uh, the, mar uh, the marginal supply suppliers, which uh, in a way lead the price. Let's, uh, Raymond, before you go more into detail, I want, to, I want you to listen to what uh, uh, President of the European Commission, uh, Ursula von der Leyen, said a few a few days ago in uh, Slovenia about this uh, about this topic the era of russian fossil fuels in europe is coming to an end and with freedom from blackmail we will come greater power to defend global rules that has be has to be our next strategic approach ending our dependency on russian fossil fuels is only the first step the skyrocketing electricity prices are now exposing, for different reasons, the limitations of our current electricity market design. It was developed for completely different, under completely different circumstances and completely different purposes. It is no more fit for purpose. And that's why we, the Commission, are now working on an emergency intervention and a structural reform of the electricity market. We need a new market model for electricity that really functions and brings us back into balance. Raymond, I think I think when we when we've been saying 
uh, that that Europe changes or uh, further integrates after the crisis. I think this is another another great example because it seems that the the model we had for the electricity market in Europe was absolutely uh, not fit for for purpose, as, as von der Leyen has said. And now it's it, it clearly needs a reform. But I wonder how that reform would look like. And what what would be the timing for reforming the the market? I think is this can this happen like fairly quickly, considering the circumstances, or is it very is it a very complicated process? Well, it's certainly probably very complicated, but I I think it should be done uh, as soon as possible, and certainly before the autumn starts, when the energy demand may may rise as the winter approaches. Uh, and uh, I think this includes uh, a reform of the electricity market. One possible option is the Iberian Peninsula, you know, the, the Iberian solution, the so-called Iberian solution, which is to delink, I mean, to put a cap on the gas that, that enters electricity supply. Uh, and I think this is something which is actually producing electricity bees, which are about 15 to 20% cheaper than is the case in the rest of the EU. So it would be one of the solutions. It's, it's uh, uh, not a panacea, but certainly it is significant, 15 to 20% reduction in the electricity bill. Um, in addition to that, I, I think there are other, other options, which could be, for example, the uh, some direct subsidies for the gas that enters the electricity market. In other words, instead of introducing a cap on the price, uh, rather subsidizing the gas that goes into electricity. And so in this case, it is a taxpayer that assumes the cost, which entails other other problems, but certainly it would help reduce the electricity price. And therefore, uh, it's a reform which, as von der Leyen says, responds to a situation which is uh, very different from uh, what was uh, designed at the time, you know, which was a very different con context. So there are different solutions. They, they can probably be implemented relatively quickly, but uh, they will not be a panacea. We need, uh, in addition to the reform of the price mechanism itself, probably what needs to be done, and it will take a bit more time, is to uh, strengthen the links between uh, energy markets in Europe so that when there is excess uh, supply in one part, uh, this can be used to, in order to uh, meet the excess demand in other parts of Europe. And this is possible because uh, renewable energy uh, makes it possible, at least during the daily hours, to you know shift these uh, these uh, energy flows throughout Europe. So this will require more, much more investment and also much more much faster permission process, so that renewable en energy permits uh, can be provided much faster than this is the case at the moment. I think Denmark, uh, the Danish energy authorities have. I think are right in requesting this uh, speed, uh, speedy uh, process of energy permits. So, uh, uh, reform of the electricity price mechanism, uh, greater interconnections, energy interconnections in Europe, and of course, energy saving has to play a very important role. Probably, uh, we may have to envisage heterodox solutions like completely free public transportation in big cities so that public transport is significantly cheaper than, than private transportation um, and, and other such solutions to, so as to save on fossil uh, energy, which is actually what creates the problem at the moment and the big danger for the European economy.
I'm thinking that some of the lessons learned from the pandemic could help in that exercise. And I'm thinking about the telework, for instance. I, I would imagine there's a big difference in a big city on, on, on whether people need to go to the office every day and commute every day or whether they can stay home. So I wonder whether those, those uh, learnings can be useful. Indeed, indeed, we've learned from the pandemic that uh, the, the economy, so those enterprises that can use telework can function um, reasonably well, uh, even sometimes with productivity gains uh, through the use of telework or other, other such uh, flexible arrangements. And so we may want to learn again uh, from, uh, from, uh, from these experiences and in order to face this very complex situation and therefore save on energy. I don't think there will be a single solution, a single measure that will solve it all, but it is a combination of the different measures that will help and these will also uh, uh, necessitate some uh, fiscal flexibility in order to uh, at least make an exemption on uh, green investments that help save energy, that help promote renewable sources of energy that help interconnections uh, between uh, European energy markets. Uh, this should be possible uh, as an exception from the uh, EU fiscal rules when these are activated. I, I want to ask you about specifically about inflation, uh, because we, we, we saw before the summer, before the, the, the summer break, we saw the European Central Bank uh, rising interest rates. And, and the Bank of England uh, did it before, and the Federal Reserve did it before as well. And I think we will see uh, in the next months more uh, uh, interest rates, rates, rates going, going up. But I wonder, in the case of Europe, considering that uh, this is mostly, inflation is mostly driven here by an external shock, uh, an energy shock, I, I wonder how effective those rises are going to be to control inflation and, and whether they're going to further uh, affect the, the, the economic growth or any reflection on, on that? Yes, this is a very, very difficult uh, dilemma for monetary policy, which is at the same time to contribute to cushion inflation, but without uh, adding uh, further uh, pressures on the, on the economy, further recessionary pressures on the economy. And, but I think uh, even though, of course, the economic situation is much more difficult in the EU than, for example, in the United States, uh, I, I still think it's not possible for the ECB to stay away uh, from this movement of uh, adjustment of interest rates and, uh, uh, and, and shift in other monetary instruments. Because if only because the euro would actually depreciate a lot more than has been the case so far. It is, as you know, close or even below parity at the moment. And if uh, the ECB does not, in a way, follow suit vis-à-vis -vis the Federal Reserve, the, the, the US central bank, uh, the uh, euro could, uh, in a way, depreciate a lot more and therefore add uh, further to the supply shock because most of these markets uh, are, you know, use the dollar uh, uh, as a currency for example, in the case of, of oil. And therefore, we, you know, it may aggravate the supply shock. So if only for that reason, it's very important that the ECB uh, adjusts its parameters and its interest rates uh, to, to an inflationary environment, which is very different. That said, it's important also to keep in mind that uh, what, what the, and it, it's, it is to be hoped that the ECB 
has in mind the uh, uh, underlying inflation rate and not the headline inflation rate. The underlying inflation rate is a lot lower, and therefore interest rates and other monetary parameters we need to follow, you know, to take into account underlying pressures rather than headline inflation as such. And therefore, it is to be hoped that this uh, adjustment uh, in, min- in monetary policy is as gradual as possible. Before we close, um, I'd like to ask you about the elections in Italy because, um, y- you know, everything seemed to be very calm with, with Draghi leading Italy for, for, the last, uh, for the last year. And, and now uh, Draghi is leaving. There are some concerns about whether the extreme right is going to be is going to lead the country after the elections. Uh, how concerning is uh, this is for for Europe's already complicated uh, autumn and, and winter? Yes, well, I cannot speak uh, in, in political terms in the sense that, you know, um, this forum is more of an economic forum, but uh, it, it's, it's, uh, this is a very, very important issue because the ECB has agreed uh, on a very important um, uh, mechanism in order to prevent uh, what it calls financial fragmentation, in other words, financial crisis. And this mechanism, this transmission protection instrument, in the in the, the words of the ECB, uh, is available to all uh, Eurozone countries. In other words, it's a way to protect uh, the uh, those those countries against uh, uh, you know a, a complete stop of financial flows and therefore a financial crisis. But there is a condition a conditionality attached to it, and the conditionality has to do with an observation of the reforms and the fiscal program, which is embedded in the, Europe, in the next generation EU funds. And Italy would have to do that. Uh, if the next government, the next Italian government, whatever the government that is, um, does not follow these reforms and fiscal adjustment, uh, which is predicted and embedded in the uh, contract between Italy and the uh, European Union, then it would not be um, it could not have access to, to this uh, ECB protection mechanism. And therefore, this could trigger a major problem for Europe and a, a, a financial crisis in the middle of a, what is already a very complicated environment already. Uh, and so it, it is to be hoped that the next government follows the compromises and respects the compromises which were adopted at the time of the drug government in order not to add a layer uh, to to what is already a very complicated situation. Thank you, Raymond. I think we've we've kickstarted in the right way the the, the new season for Future is Blue. We touched on uh, some of the issues that I'm sure are going to capture our attention in the next episodes. So uh, thank you for this first episode of the Back to School season. Thank you, Carlos, and I hope next time we have better news to to tell. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all and stay well.